0: Cheery Sabbath greetings everyone, and thank you for joining us here on this beautiful Sabbath day, live here from the Burlington congregation. Beautiful, bright blue, sunny skies here, although a little bit chilly, just a little bit under freezing here, but a beautiful Sabbath day. We're so happy you could join us here today with the Burlington and Ottawa congregations. Greetings to the many that are regular visitors to us, the, uh, the brothers and sisters from the Kawartha congregation. We have folks from, uh, from BC we have folks from England that join us we have folks from Nova Scotia and Newfoundland that have joined us all over the uh, United States Ohio uh, Tennessee Michigan the Carolinas and those are just a few that uh, that we know about if you uh, drop us a line on the chat to let us know where you're from and certainly wish you a pleasant uh, rest of your Sabbath and we're very grateful to come together and worship God on this on this holy holy day it is the 10th day of the 11th month on uh, the Hebrew calendar We are 62 days away from Passover. Counting them down uh, keeps our eyes on on the goal and we can't uh, wait for the arrival of the spring festival season. We'll open up with with, uh, prayer today with one of our, our fellow pastors from the Ottawa congregation, Pastor Jim French.
1: Holy Father in heaven and Jesus at your right hand, we are so thankful that we can come together on another Sabbath day. We realize the Sabbath uh, dates back to creation, Father, and we we look to the lessons that uh, we can learn every week. We ask that you uh, inspire the speaking today, to bring us the the truth, the meat that we need in our lives. Uh, each of us, um, you know, have different needs. Uh, some have needs for healing at this time, and we ask that you uh, pour out your Spirit on them to provide that healing. Uh, some need encouragement. Some need opportunities to serve and to encourage others and we ask that uh, you you allow us to use our unique gifts to uh, service you know the church to help the brethren and to help those that are in the world as well because it's a you know a time of uncertainty and it's an opportunity for each person in your church to be a light that uh, people can see and that people can reach out to so help us father to fulfill that goal that you have for us of being a light to the world so we thank you for this service that we can partake in we ask that you help us to drink in all the knowledge that we can from the messages and and father that uh, you, we take advantage of the worship opportunity as well to worship you and Jesus Christ um for being the awesome god that you are so we ask that uh, you know the song service the worship part of the service the intercessory prayers all of those things uh, come together as well as the sermon. So we thank you for uh, this week's Sabbath service and we turn it over into your hands through our high priest, the Lamb of God, our Savior Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate that very much. And as for those of you who are regular uh, attendees, you know, we begin with a prayer and then go into a song, uh, a singing of a hymn. If you are new, we do welcome you as well. Please join us in singing hymns to our great, our great God, as our brother Jim just, just mentioned. The uh, words will uh, be displayed on your screen. So do join us on page 245 of our hymnal. We'll begin with My Savior's Love. The <laughs> only Thank you for praising God in Him, and we look forward to the opportunity to do that again in just a few minutes. Before we get to that, let us uh, hear some announcements, just a few. Uh, first and foremost, the, the Wednesday study is coming up uh, this Wednesday at uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on the pl- very platforms you're watching uh, here today. So if you join us there, we'll be in Psalm 103 and 104, God willing. And following the study, we're planning a live Q&A session. So do submit uh, or plan your questions uh, if you, if you want to send them in through email. Many of that have already done so or prepare to put them into the chat room and we will handle those Q&A, session, those Q&A uh, questions at that time. So we're very much looking forward to doing that. It certainly is a, a great way to get to know each other and interact a little bit at the end of the studies and we're looking forward to that. Just a few other uh, announcements, just by way of reminder, that the for those of you uh, in Canada uh, plan on going to the Collingwood Feast site, the committee is still looking for volunteers. So do get a hold of uh, Pastor Jim French. Uh, you can find that on on the through the Canadian website. He's looking for volunteers. The uh, him and the uh, uh, Pastor Rick Dubler and those who are coordinating the feast this year. The uh, reminder to uh, that during the chat session. Uh, which were it, it's a great feature to have if we can keep the chats uh, relative to the topics of the sermon during the sermon time. It's just a, a, um, a way to ensure that we're focused on the sermon and, and we're honoring God during this time. And, and, but do feel free outside of the, before we get started and, and following to stay and socialize. It's a great way to get to know each other. And we certainly developed a lot of, of friendships and and, and and ties in the, the, in the body of Christ through people we've actually never met. I'm I'm quite very good friends with people now through that that, that chat. So good opportunity to fellowship. That brings us to the end of the announcements. We now will go to our deacon, uh, Jan Kowalczyk, who will handle the intercessory prayer.
2: Good afternoon to all of you and happy Sabbath. So here, let me just read the request, all these individuals who reach out to us through this week, and some of them f- more than a week. So uh, we have somebody new here, Jennifer Monks, wife of Gary, a uh, gentleman for, from the U.K., and who is on the map program, uh, CGI, and she complains about severe heart palpitations this week regarding some medical attention. We have Jean-Michael Bellinger from Ottawa, hospitalized with an infection, and his resident has been hit with an outbreak of COVID-19. Sister Margaret Townsend from Ottawa, recovering from laser throat surgery li- related to cancer. The surgery happened on Tuesday. She's just recovering at her home now. Alex Nicholson from Nova Scotia reports that his bacterial infection has gone away, but is still dealing with a possible uh, hernia. Eric J from U.S., who's our regular follower, severe nerve damage acting up. Sydney MacAcreing from Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia, hearing a recovery going well, as, uh, as is the rebuilding of his home that was burned just in December. And our own brother Dylan Swen, from our congregation from Burlington here is complaining about his his back, bulging disc in his back, and severe severe pain. And Trisha Plankett from BC, continuing health troubles, and Maria Brown from Nova Scotia, Fabian malaria flare up, extreme pain. So as you can see, brethren, we have all these individuals going all over the place, all over the map, not just from Canada here, but from UK and US and and everywhere. So just, brethren, let's take a short moment just to pray this, to pray for these individuals. Just bow your heads. Our great loving father, as always, what a joy it is to come on this Sabbath day, to come in front of your throne, Father, and, and just to thank you.'t thank you for all these wonderful things, all this blessing that we received from you just through the last past week. And Father, we know how difficult time is this time is for, for so many of us. You know we live in the midst of this second wave of this pandemic, in economically challenging time. Mentally affecting so many of us. And on top of that, Father, we have these individuals who have other, some severe, some not, but some some very difficult health issues. And Father, all the names that we just read, we know how loving, how compassionate, Father, you are. And you don't want your children to suffer just like that. And Father, on this Sabbath day. We bring them up and we ask, Father, for your mercy. That if it's your will, Father, you can heal them instantly. You can offer the comfort. You can offer them love. Whatever fire you desire, whatever is your will, Father, we know, we definitely know that you will perform this, you will answer. And Father, also have mercy on all of us. No matter where we are, what we do, Father. And at the end, Father, just quickly, I just want to pray for our leaders that are in government. Whatever actions they do, whatever law they'll pass, Father, just help us, Fathers, to preach this gospel. And we won't have much objections from all these governments around the world, Father. So thank you so much for everything. One more time, please regard this individual Jesus' mentioned, Father, and we thank you. We love you, and we ask you, Father, for all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
0: Thank you, brother. We will now go to the scripture reading, and we invite our pastor uh, from Ottawa, Jim French, back to uh, present the scripture reading today. It will be 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 10.
1: In my Bible, it has a title on this section. It's called A Good Soldier of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1, it says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful people, faithful men, Will be able to teach others also. You must therefore endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hard working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say. And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they may also, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus
0: with eternal glory. Thank you, Pastor Jim. We appreciate that. We will now move to the hymn. The next hymn will be on page 162. Again, the words will be displayed on your screen. And we'll sing the mercy that never fails. Immediately following this hymn, we will hear the main message of the day from our Pastor Adrian Davis. An interesting title here for you. Looking forward to this message. It's called Sudden Death Over Time. Sudden Death Over Time. But first, the mercy that never fails. And then Pastor Adrian Davis.
3: Up City tonight.
0: Regained by Pesci, Brett Pesci, Peter Ryder in the slot. Rose Wine stall the force. He scores! Jordan Stall
3: wins it in overtime! Watch his bank shot. Off
0: the end boards, over to the side, and Jordan Stall is able to beat the left pad of Robin Leonard. And the reaction from Carolina as they take a 1 nothing lead. Robin...
3: Well, brethren, uh, what you just witnessed there. Are two or two were two great examples of sudden death over time. And if you're not familiar with the term, it it basically refers to the rules of competition where throughout a series, and now you're into the, the, in this case, the Stanley Stanley Cup playoffs, and the two teams are so matched that through the regular game, it's tied. And somebody, there has to be a winner. And so there's this overtime period. That's referred to as sudden death over time. And what that means is um, the period begins, and as soon as the first team scores, the game is over. That's referred to as sudden death. Uh, so, so, you know, um, w- Wikipedia actually says that uh, during championship playoffs, all games are played to a conclusion, resulting in a victory mm-hmm. for one team and a loss for the other. These are true sudden death games which have gone on into as many as six additional full 20-minute periods. They cannot stop until a winner is declared. And, you know, brethren, I just want to check. I know there was um, a bit of an issue with the microphone earlier. Um, I just want to confirm that you're able to hear me, and I'm just going to see here, change my microphone. Uh, I'm not sure what happened with that hymn, but I, I did hear that there was uh, no sound. So if you can, just go ahead and type in the chat. Um uh, in any of the uh, chat functions, I'll just check and make sure that you can, in fact, hear me. And hopefully you heard the video as well and the excitement that uh, was, was uh, surrounding that, those sudden death um, overtime games. Now, you can just imagine how exhausting. Yes, we can hear. Beautiful. Thank you, Sister Maria. Uh, you can just imagine just how exhausting and intense these games are. Everything is riding on the next goal. And in fact, it's not uh, unusual that tension is so high that a fight will break out, that people are so frustrated playing, and when one little thing uh, people can't control their emotions and a fight will break out, that will result in a penalty and if you're down a man in a in a playoff a sudden death overtime game like this, it's tragic and and you know you're giving the other side let's say two minutes to have this uh, adv- one man advantage. And they can just uh, usually skate circles around the team that is suffering the penalty. And once they score, when it's over, it's over. You know, so there are rules. And if you break the rules, uh, you're going to be penalized. And and your team will be penalized. And when it's over, it's over. So, brethren, (laughs) we've been involved in this epic struggle for over 2,000 years, the church. And we know that to God, a thousand years is as a day. And so we've been two days into the history of the church and six days in terms of the history of mankind. And we are certainly now in overtime. This is the time that God is going to usher in the seventh day rest of a thousand years for mankind. And we are in the overtime period. And it is a period of sudden death. It's sudden death overtime. And I just wonder, I'm curious, you know, this is our first Sabbath since, I will say, America has fallen into the hands of the globalist and the Marxists, something that I thought I would never see in my lifetime, and here it is. And I just wonder, do we understand how much our world is going to change? In fact, I'm curious, if you could just type in the chat, what is your prognosis for America? Do you see America now, finally, after, you know, four years of, of turmoil, uh, that now America will have unity and prosperity and and good fortune? Or do you think perhaps that we're going to have even more difficult times uh, ahead? And I think, as I've said it many times, as goes America, so goes the rest of the free world. And so I'm just curious uh, what you think, and I'll go ahead and take a minute to, to look at those as those chats um, come up. It's interesting to see that Bill Gates is now the largest, I think, the largest landowner in America. Uh, And and many of these um, multi-billionaires are buying up real estate. Why is that? And it's funny, today I was uh, preparing for the service and and looking at uh, a YouTube video, and this uh, commercial just came up. It was about, um, do you know how to use TikTok? Well, if you can use TikTok, you can invest in the stock market. (laughs) And so now everybody's investing in the stock market. And, you know, before the big crash in 1929, um, there was somebody who said when, his, when he got a stock tip from a taxi driver, he realized it's time to get out of the stock market. So multi-billionaires are buying real estate. What lies ahead? Are we going to see a massive uh, crash in the economy? Uh, what else will we see? <laughs> I, say, I just looked here. I see uh, our brother Seabree says economic collapse is coming. Uh, John Davis says it's not a good change. Uh, it's it's uh, Obama's puppet time, he says. Uh, I think it's beyond uh, President Obama. A uh, civil war, says Christy Romine. And, uh, Scooter Rose says it will get worse, not better. So I think the prevailing, um, Sister Maria says more difficult times ahead. So I think the prevailing sentiment here is, um, trouble lies ahead. And I appreciate the opening prayer, um, actually in the, sorry, the intercessory prayer, I appreciate the opening prayer, in the intercessory prayer with Deacon Jan saying, you know, that with the, the regime change, uh, this gospel message has to go out. And we are now facing global Marxism with no serious opposition. Now they will have their way. And I love the saying from uh, Margaret Thatcher. And she said, you know, the problem with uh, communism is eventually you run out of other people's money. And I think that's just fantastic. Communism doesn't create wealth. It doesn't generate wealth. It just redistributes it. And eventually you run out of other people's money. When I think of communism, I just have a personal example of You know, what I think of, uh, I was young in the church and uh, we had put on um, uh, a social, invited all the brethren over and uh, we, we covered everything. We looked after the, the food and everything. And, and the minister at the time, uh, he was um, sharing the, the burgers. It was a, a barbecue and he was sharing the burgers and everybody was thanking him for the, for the food. And he was accepting the thanks. And it just struck me as odd that he didn't do anything. But he's distributing it, and, and he's receiving the thanks. And I think that's that, to me, that's the perfect, it's kind of a silly example, but it's the perfect picture of communism. Distributing other people's hard-earned uh, gains, or, or redistributing, and taking credit for it. I think, brethren, that we don't realize that communists do not play around. Mohammedans do not play around. The only people who play around, brethren, are Christians. Christians love to play around. We, we, we love to play church. And somehow our thinking is, you know, if we play church from week to week, somehow everything's going to work out just fine. We're just going to waltz into the kingdom. You know, tomorrow will be much better, that, much like today, only better. And, and I fear, brethren, that we don't understand the change in season. And I think, you know, evidence of this is the petty bickering that we see. The power plays, the, the, um, the people placing a priority on or not placing a priority on edifying the body. And you heard in the opening prayer how, how Pastor Jim spoke about us all having different talents and abilities and, and, and people having different needs and the body needing to focus on edifying the body. But we don't really see that. Instead, we see a I shouldn't say I'm sorry. We do see it, but not across the board. And, and in this time, as we head into sudden death overtime period, uh, we should see this across the board. All of us should be absolutely serious, fully engaged, uh, fully committed to the edification of the body. Uh, we, we should not be seeing in any way, shape or form false accusations, character assassination. And yet, brethren, uh, we still see it. But, but this shouldn't strike us as unusual. Throughout the history of the covenant community, the reality is, brethren, that the majority of God's people have disappointed him. Let me say it again. Throughout the history of the covenant community, the majority of God's people have disappointed him. Let's go to Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3. And let's uh, just break in at verse 18. Hebrews 3 and verse 18. And to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. Oh, within the, commun- within the covenant community, there were th- those that did not believe. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Let us therefore fear lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. And and here we are, brethren, we're well past the the, the sort of the 6,000-year marker. God is patient, not wishing that any should perish, so he's extending the period. We're well into the overtime period. And let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you, any of us, Should seem to come short of us, short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached. As well as unto them. Paul Paul makes no distinction, brethren, between the gospel that was preached to ancient Israel and the gospel that he preached to the first century church. So unless we understand the gospel through the lens of how ancient Israel would have understood the gospel, then we're preaching the wrong gospel. Ancient Israel would not recognize the gospel that traditional Christianity teaches. And yet, as we heard last week in Deacon Jan's message, this gospel, Christ said, this gospel, the gospel that he preached, will be preached throughout all the world. The same gospel. And then Paul preached that same gospel, and he shows us here that it's the same gospel that was preached to ancient Israel. The only difference between the gospel that that they heard, and the gospel that we hear is that it says here, but the word preached did not profit them. Same gospel, it just it didn't profit them. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So the difference being, brethren, that we believe the gospel. And we are going to act according to the gospel. And we are going to understand that the Sabbath rest, the 1,000 year millennial rest, is, is, it's any moment now. God is being patient. But how much can this wickedness go on? How intensely can it get? You know, this we have this global now build back better. What does that even mean? Uh, let me interpret. Let's build Babylon back better. Build Babylon back better. And and are, are we going to just sign up and support this globalism, brethren? There's always a small remnant that pleases God, and and we have to be determined to be in this small remnant. And it's going to take great effort. It's not a matter of coming to services every week, listening to a sermon, doing nothing, having a coffee, putting our feet up, wash, rinse, repeat. Is that logical? Is it possible for us to inherit the kingdom of God with this lackadaisical, no effort, just kind of take everything for granted approach? Or do you think it's more likely that the size of the reward that God is promising us indicates the level of effort and love that we are going to express in pursuing it. So so last week, brethren, Deacon Jan gave us a very strong exhortation. And he said that, you know, we have to preach this gospel. And the only way we're going to preach this gospel and not back down is if we uphold truth. And so what I want to do today, brethren, is I want to add I want to to reinforce what Deacon Jan said. We're going to be upholders of truth. We're going to preach the true gospel. And then I just want to add one more exhortation. In this overtime period, uh, Pastor Murray said that we're 62 days away from Passover. So as we approach Passover, and then when we observe Passover, the exhortation that I want to add is we must love one another. We must love one another. That our love for one another is going to dictate and, and, and demonstrate our success. So what I want to do in terms of unpacking this is first I want to ensure that we all understand what is at stake. You know, when these um, NHL players are on the ice and they are, they are exerting themselves, they're putting all, they're, everything is in, everything is on the line. They know what they're competing for. It is the glory of the Stanley Cup. They're not confused. They know that one team or the other is going to lift that cup above their heads and rejoice and celebrate. Both teams can't take the cup home. Do we understand the glory that we are pursuing? That's number one. Then I want to explore how our society has actually programmed us to fail. If we don't understand the influence of the devil and, and, and his tactics, then we could easily fall victim and lose out on everything. So what's at stake? How does our society program us to lose? And then finally, I want to conclude with how we must steel ourselves to endure hardness so that we can obey the Lord's command to love one another. Loving one another it's not this sort of like, oh, this sort of syrupy, isn't it nice to know the Lord and to love one another? It, it was so important to Jesus Christ when he was on earth that it was his last command to his disciples. My command, it's not a request, my command is that you love one another. This is Christ who gave all the prophetic understanding of what lies ahead for his church and his final words to his disciples. You make sure you listen to my command and love one another. And it's going to take endurance to do this. So I, wanted to, I want to conclude with that. So let's start, brethren, with what's at stake. So we're 6,000 years into the history of man. We're on the cusp. We're on the verge of entering in to this Sabbath rest that we just read about in Hebrews 3. And God is patient. We're so close now. But every day that passes is an another opportunity for someone to hear the gospel, for someone to repent, for someone to get serious about God, and so that's our job to turn many to righteousness. Now the globalists, as I said, no opposition. So now we're going to see an acceleration of evil. It you know it doesn't it doesn't change the reality of what we're engaged in, but it does change the nature of our work. So okay, the previous administration is gone. There's a new administration coming in. This new administration, I hope we all understand this. They're socialist. They're globalist. They're Marxist. They hate Jesus Christ. They hate Jesus Christ. And and they are going to punish and destroy anything that opposes them. So they're gonna. I, I really do feel sorry for the previous president. They're gonna go after him. They're not happy that he's gone. They must destroy him. And and that hatred is not so much about him, it's about the opposition to their power. And there is no greater opposition to their power than the Christian and the Word of God. So let's understand, brethren, why we will skate and throw put everything on the ice in this sudden death over time with no thought of failure. That this this is it. Every minute counts. We must play according to the rules. We can't afford to be a man down. We've got to do everything according to the commandment of the Lord in order to achieve this mind-blowing reward that God holds out to us. Let's just get a sense of the reward by looking at the letters to the churches. So Jesus Christ, when he wrote to the churches, Jesus himself actually wrote to the churches these epistles. And we did a study of this in uh, when we did the book of Revelation. Which, uh, please, if you haven't seen it, uh, check the archives. And even if we have seen it. We should go over it. It's something we need to be hearing, reading, and hearing over and over again, and keep it front of uh, mind. Now, in these letters to the uh, to the uh, churches, he takes an, he. So in Revelation one, we see a description of Jesus Christ by John. And then in Revelation two and three, as he writes to the churches, he takes aspects of his image, and he presents certain aspects of his image to different churches, for different reasons. So the relationship that he has with each congregation, there's an aspect of his image and character that he wants to present to that church. But it doesn't mean that we're dealing with seven different people. It's the one Lord, but he's sharing different aspects of himself with all the churches, and then he continually says, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, so that What we're to do is listen to what he says to all the churches and put it all together. I believe in the same way, the rewards that he offers to each congregation, it's not that only that congregation will have this reward. In the same way that we put the image of Christ together that he presents to each congregation to get the whole picture, we can put the rewards or parts of the reward that he presents to each congregation to get the whole picture. Let's just do a quick survey then of the reward. Revelation 2, verse 7. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcomes, that's what we're in now. This is the battle we're in. Think of Ephesians and the mighty battle between the forces of evil and the great power of God within us to enable us to overcome. And to him that overcomes, he says, will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. To Smyrna, Revelation 2 and verse 10, Fear none of those things which you shall suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried. And you shall have tribulation ten days. Be you faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. He that overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Pergamos. He that has an ear, verse 17, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcomes, will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knows, saving he that receives it. To Thyatira, and he that, verse 26, and he that overcomes and keeps my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter, shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. These men today, are they have, they're, they're addicted to power. And they're and men, women, people, human beings, warped human beings, they're addicted to power. And they have no idea the power that God wants to give his faithful. So much so that all the power of the nations will be crushed, by those who reign with Christ, all those powers that oppose Christ, we will join Christ in putting them down. And we shall rule the nations with a rod of iron. And I will give him the morning star. The morning star, Christ himself. Revelation 3, 4, Sardis. You have a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcomes, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. To Philadelphia, him that overcomes will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name to Laodicea, to him that overcomes, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sat down with my Father in his throne. So brethren, let's let's just use our imagination here. Let's stretch our minds and let's fast forward into the Sabbath rest, the millennial Sabbath rest. And Christ is now on earth And we have inherited this kingdom with him. And as we look across the letters to the churches, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What do we see? We will be eating from the tree of life in the paradise of God. We'll be wearing a crown of life, eternal life. We'll we'll not be hurt by the second death. It will be impossible for us to die. We will eat hidden manna. We'll receive a white stone and etched in that stone will be a secret new name. And we will have power over the nations and rule them with a rod of iron. And we will walk with Christ in white. And our name will never be blotted out of the book of life. And our name, our new name, will be confessed by Christ before the Father and the angels. And we will be a pillar in the temple of God and will never be put out with the name of God and the city of God, the new Jerusalem, and Christ's new name written upon him, written upon us. And we will sit with Christ on his throne. Like, I, my, my brain is, is like, it's, it's hard work trying to put all this together and, and, and imagine it. But it's right around the corner. We're in the, we're in the overtime period. It's right around the corner. This is ours, as long as we don't lose it. Daniel saw this. Let's go to Daniel 7. Daniel 7. Daniel saw your future. Daniel saw my future. Daniel 7 and verse 9. What did Daniel say? So, so Daniel was a, a, an extraordinary man of God. And, and a beloved man of God. And a special man who was given uh, foresight into the time ahead. Although he didn't fully understand everything he saw, he did see it. And he saw your future and mine. In Daniel 7 and verse 9. He says, I beheld till the thrones were cast down. All of this build Babylon back better. It's all going to be destroyed. I beheld till the thrones were cast down. And the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow. And, and, and the hair of his head, it was like pure wool. And his throne, it, it was like the fiery flame." And and, and his wheels like a burning fire, a fiery stream issued and came forth before him. I'm I'm telling you, thousands upon thousands ministered to him. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set. And, 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 And the books were opened. Verse 13. And I saw in the night visions, and behold one like the son of man came with the clouds of heaven and and he he came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people nations and languages should serve him his his dominion it's an everlasting dominion which shall never pass away and his kingdom it's that which shall not be destroyed. Verse 21. And I beheld. And, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Sudden death for the saints. In this overtime period, there's sudden death. But that's not the end of the story. Because this kept happening until the ancient of days came. And then judgment was given to these same saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Verse 28, 27. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. There will be dominions. All these dominions. They're all going to bow down and serve and obey him. And the saints, we will rule with him. And then he says, hitherto is the end. This is the end of the matter. This is how it all ends. And we have to have this end in mind, brethren. This is is what we have to see. Now, as for me, Daniel, so this is the end of the matter. But Daniel says, as for me, uh, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. And my countenance changed in me. But I kept the matter in my heart. So Daniel was extremely confused by what he saw, especially when he saw the horn of the beast uh, prevailing against the saints. It was hard for him to fathom and understand and very troubling. But he was trying to put the whole thing together. Here we are, brethren. We have the entire scripture, including everything that Daniel was given. We have the Tanakh, the Torah, the Nevi'im, the Ketuvim, We have the Tanakh, the the, the Hebrew Bible. We have all of the apostolic writings. And we have the final revelation, the book of Revelation. And we can put all of this together to understand what it was God was showing to Daniel. And what it is that's right in front of us now. It is like you can count it on a clock now, which reminds me again of uh, Pastor Murray's message, the compass and the clock. The compass has to be pointing in the right direction. This is the end point. This is where the compass has to point. And then we need to know we're in, we're in sudden death over time. We're well past the time now. Every a, a, Any moment now. Anything can happen. Every night we go to bed, the next day when we wake up, we don't know what we'll face. So we have to be grounded with the compass pointing in the right direction and the clock telling the right time. And not thinking we have all the time in the world and we can, we can go anywhere. And it doesn't matter uh, how we direct ourselves. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. We, um, When our kids were young, we moved out to the country and we raised them in the country. And I knew nothing about the country. So we had to learn. And I knew nothing about trees. But you get to know the different trees. And one of the trees, the red maple, it's the first one to bloom. So as spring begins to approach... We watch the red maple, and we begin to see the buds, and we know, oh, great, finally, because winter is quite severe in the country where we were. A lot of snow, very severe. We were a bit elevated. Uh, but then the spring comes, and we see the buds on the tree. And for me, it was wonderful. I just, like, I love, I love the sun. I love summer. I love the spring. For my son, those buds meant suffering because he had hay fever. And the minute he saw those buds, it was like, oh, no you know the the good news for him was he never had to do the, the yard work so so he he just suffered so much and you know he wasn't faking it you could see his eyes were just swollen and red and so you know i would do the bulk of the, the the yard work um so it was sort of positive there he didn't have to do all that yard work but he suffered and the buds on the trees the red maple was the first signal to him that suffering was coming Matthew 24 and verse 32. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender, when it's a healthy tree, and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So likewise you, when you shall see all these things, what thing? We have to go back to Matthew 23 and begin reading all the way up to verse 33 here of Matthew 24 to understand that these things, which uh, the disciples asked him, when shall these things be? He's speaking about a very specific these things. So likewise you, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. In other words, we're in the sudden death over time period. And it's going to be an acceleration of time. And at any moment, everything can, can just unwind. Because it has to all happen within a single generation which we know from the Torah, is counted as 40 years. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So we we can just bank on this. Even the heaven and earth will change. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. What will not change, what cannot change, is the word of God. And this is where our confidence comes from. This is why no matter what happens around us, the word of God does not change. And this is where our stability comes from. This is where we see people around us beginning to panic, beginning to have anxiety attacks. We're just calm. Okay? New world? What does this mean for us? How does this change our work, the nature of our work? Okay? Let's do this. And I'm telling you, brethren, the nature of our work must now change. If we have been coasting, there's no time for coasting. This is all hands on deck. This is time for focus. But of that day and hour... Knows no man. So, so sudden death, you, you don't know when the game is going to be over. It's just going to, it's just going to end. You, you know, if it's a regular period, okay, we've got 20 minutes. And so you can watch the clock and you know, okay, we're well, two more minutes on, uh, in the period. When you're in sudden death overtime, you have no idea when the game will end, but there must be a winner. And so it could go on and on and on and on. You just don't know when, or, and then suddenly it's over. But of that day and hour, knows no man. know not the angels of heaven, but my father only. However, this is what we know. As the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the son of man be. So there's going to be a parallel. We can look to what happened to Moses, or sorry, to, to Noah to see what happened in the times of Noah to see how this is going to be. And then he explains what he means. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. They had no idea they were in sudden death over time, period. And they just kept business as usual. And and, and so he says here that they didn't know, verse 39, and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. The flood took the wicked away because they had no idea. And then he says, this is how it's going to be. This is how, so also shall the coming or the appearing of the Son of Man be. That there's going to be a flood that is going to take the wicked away. That's how it's going to be. They're, they're, they, they don't have the right time on the clock. They don't realize that we're in the overtime period and everything counts. Every second counts. Every move counts. They don't realize this. The clock is telling the wrong time. And the compass is pointing in the wrong direction. And The flood comes. They don't see the flood coming. The flood catches them by surprise. The flood didn't surprise Noah. He preached about it. He knew it was coming. But it it surprised the wicked and it took them away. So he's telling this to the Jews. We have to begin again in Matthew 23 and read Matthew 23 and 24 together to understand the context of this conversation. Because now he says in verse 40, Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. The flood takes away the wicked. And two will be in the field together. But there's going to be a flood that's going to take away the wicked. This is speaking of God's covenant community. Christ did not concern himself with the Gentile world. His entire preaching was to do with the covenant community and specifically Judah. And he says, two women or two shall be grinding at the mill. So they're both seem to be working together doing the same work but, but it's, that's not how God sees it, that's how we see it I see two people grinding at the mill one will be taken, the wicked will be taken out, and the other will be left so think of Noah and watch therefore pay attention because you don't know what hour your Lord doth come when we're in this sudden death period, we, we don't know when the game's going to end so pay attention and stay alert Verse 48, but and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delays his coming. I'm looking at my watch and it's telling me the wrong time. Somehow Satan has fooled me to think that, oh, tomorrow is going to be much like today, only better. I have all the time in the world. And then he shall begin to smite his fellow servants. And I'll come back to it, brethren. But this is the failure. This is what Christ points out. That the failure is in brotherly love. The failure is in how we discern, or not, the body of Christ. And this failing servant does not discern the body of Christ. This failing servant got caught up in the world and began to smite the body of Christ and to go with the world, to eat and drink with those who are drunk in the head. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looks not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of, And this servant of God, two will be in the field. One will be taken out, and the other will be left. And this foolish servant, Christ says, I shall cut him asunder. He's speaking of his people. He's not speaking of the world. He's speaking of his people. I shall cut him asunder. I'll cut him in two, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. That's what we couldn't see. Two were in the field, but we can't see what's going on on the inside. But God can. And God can discern the hypocrite from the servant, the true servant, the one whose heart is right with the Lord. And so the hypocrites are taken out. And then he says, there shall be great disappointment. The, the, the reason that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth is not because people don't care. Oh, I, I didn't care. I didn't want that anyway. Is because they really believe that I can, I can receive all of this blessing. I can receive this great reward and still be a hypocrite. I can put my feet up and coast and the kingdom will, God has to give me the kingdom. And then the disappointment when suddenly the game is over, it's over now and there's no redo, there's no replay, there's no let's take back that goal and do it again. It's over. As soon as the score is, the the goal is scored, that's the end of the game. And it is what it is. And there's a winning team and there's a losing team. And, And one is taken out of the winning team and pushed into the losing team. And the disappointment is so profound. The surprise that there is such a weeping and gnashing of teeth that is going to be painful to see. Now, our society, brethren, is designed and set up in such a way, our modern society, to cause us to be in that group of hypocrites, to cause us to fail. And unless we are aware of how our society is programmed and designed, you know. P- people think that philosophy is is this sort of course you take at school if you're interested in, in 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 how people think. No, that's just false. Philosophy runs the world. Everybody functions according to a philosophy, and societies are designed according to a philosophy. And Nimrod was building a world according to a philosophy. And Nebuchadnezzar was building a world according to a philosophy. And build back better is building back a philosophy that is going to be affecting people globally. And Karl Marx was perfect. He he was inspired by the devil. Because he came up with a philosophy that that is just, it's so um, seductively, intellectually, uh, self-appealing that it's like it shows you the brilliance of the devil. That this concept that he came up with, which is rooted in conflict, which comes from the devil, and critical theory, it's all about power to the people. Marxism is all about power to the people. You've got the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. Power to the proletariat, the masses. The masses must revolt and overthrow the structure. Power to the people. This is absolutely brilliant. And then now postmodernism takes this philosophy and, and wraps it up with nice, you know, beautiful wrapping and a nice bow so that they can completely change language and censor any speech that goes against what they're trying to do. And they can redefine speech and, and now they can overthrow patriarchy. And this thing is so intellectually smooth. It's coming right out of the imagination of the devil that even brethren for it and Deacon Jan touched on this last week when he talked about his exhortation for us to love the truth that really is our only defense against these the powerful intellectual might of of Satan and how he works through these clever men and we can we can all be seduced by them none of us can match the power of Satan's mind none of us but we can all destroy that power through the power of the Holy Spirit which works through us. This is the power of, of our mind. It's the power of God. Now this time that we're in now, let's go to Revelation 3. Let's go to Revelation 3 and, and think about this last uh, church that God speaks to. And in Revelation 3 and verse 14, He says, and unto the angel, the messenger of the church of the Laodiceans, write, these things says the Amen. This is from the Amen. This is the last church that he speaks to, and his message to them is, I am the Amen. This is it. This is how it all ends. And I end it. I'm the the Alpha and the Omega. the, the, The Aleph and the Tav. I'm the beginning and the end. I started it, I end it. And you in Laodicea need to understand this. Now before we get to the Amen, let's talk about Laodicea. Laodicea is a a compound Greek word. Laos and dike. I think most of us know that Laos is the people. The people, the masses, power to the people. What kind of power? Well, dike means justice. The right to punish others. The right to take vengeance on others. People power. Social justice. Karl Marx was the perfect setup for the Laodicean time. The Laodicean church. The, the last church God speaks to before he introduces himself as the Amen. And it's the church that is all about social justice. Power to the people. Overthrow the patriarchy. Is it no surprise that our own brethren get sucked into social justice and, and treat it like it's some kind of form of Christianity? This is the, the intellectual power of the devil. And not just brethren, but even ministers support it. When brethren rise up, power to the people, overthrow the patriarchy, Laos dike, ministers support it. So, brethren, we need to be humble we need to realize these letters, sit down and read the letters, brethren. The letters of Jesus Christ himself to his love, to his church. And read it carefully. These are love letters. But for the most part, they're very harsh with extremely stern warnings. And and extremely stern warnings of the destruction of his own people. And, we need to, and he says, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. So we need to concern ourselves with what the Spirit says to all the churches. But to this last church, he declares himself the Amen, to say this is the end. So, you know, how we fare just before the Amen arrives and appears. I think we, could, we should use, the, as we move into this new season, new administration in the most powerful nation in the world, There's now a globalist administration. Build Babylon back better using the might and the power of this nation. As we now enter into this new season, we have it's going to be very interesting, let's put it this way, it's going to be very interesting. But it's a wonderful time, brethren. It's a it's a it's an amazing opportunity that we have to shine for God, to do great exploits for God, to do things that will be spoken of for Thousands of years. This is our time now. How we will fare in this sudden death overtime period, I think is a wonderful opportunity for us to stop and to say, okay, this crisis that we are facing now, we've had what, 10 months of, of just suddenly in this out of control world. We've had 10 months. As we approach Passover, brethren, this is a wonderful time to stop and look back over the last 10 months and ask ourselves one question. What have I contributed to the church? How have I helped? How have I edified the church? Am I a contributor or a critic? Because if all I've done for the last 10 months is a long time, let's say... Four and a half Sabbaths per month on average. 45 Sabbaths, that's a long time. And all the time in between. It's it's just like a reality check. Let's just stop and look back over the last 10 months and say, okay, what have I done to contribute to my congregation? How have I helped my congregation? How have I shown love for my brothers or sisters? Or have I just sat back with my feet up? Oh, you should be doing more. You should be doing this. Why don't you do this? You guys should do that. I just criticize, but I don't actually contribute. That's frightful. But it's it's okay because we're still in the game. The game isn't over yet. So we can look back and say, you know what? I have not quite done well during this crisis. And a greater crisis is coming. More crises are coming. So I need to make sure, because the best predictor of what we will do in the future is what we've done in the past. That's, That's the most likely thing we will do in the future, is we'll do how we're wired. Whatever we did in the past, we're likely to continue that. So if I don't like... What I've done through this crisis, as we now turn our attention to 2021 and beyond in this sudden death overtime, it's a great opportunity for me to say, you know what? I got to, I got to clean up my act here. He says, verse 14, unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, power to the people. These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, i.e., not you. You're not faithful and you're not a true witness. And that's why Pastor uh, Deacon Jan exhorted us so strongly last week. We've got to love the truth in order to be a true witness. If we don't love the truth, how can we be a true witness? And so God is telling these, the, this congregation, the last church he speaks to before he returns, is I'm faithful and true. I am the fa- I called you to be my witnesses. Well, I'm the faithful and true witness. Let's compare your your conduct to mine. The beginning of the creation of God. And then he says, I know your works that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. This is the church he's speaking to. So then because you are lukewarm and, and this is, this is not my definition of lukewarm. This is not your definition of lukewarm. This is Christ's definition of lukewarm. How, how does Christ see us? So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I want not, I want every trace of you out of me. This is his church. I I think, you know, let's be humble. And let's ask ourselves in this society that is completely um, overtaken by Marxist ideology. Have we been influenced? Are we power to the people, social justice? Or are we God's justice? And, And we want to do what God says and want things structured the way God wants it. He says, because you say I am rich and increased with goods, and and certainly in this last, you know, we do, the poorest of us lives well compared to uh, saints of hundreds of years ago. Because you say I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and you don't know that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Well, look at that. Isn't that something? That it's a condition that is so wretched and miserable. And yet those who suffer from it have no idea. And I think partly because they all agree with one another. They're all patting each other on the back and saying how wonderful we are. And they're not comparing their conduct to Torah. Torah says this, but we're not doing it. Oh, who cares what the Torah says? We're all good. We're all good here. We have no idea. And then what does Christ say? He says here, I counsel you. Christ says, look, let me give you some advice. You're not doing really well here. In fact, you're you're tragic. But let me give you some advice. This is Christ's advice. I'm counseling you to buy from me gold tried in the fire. This would be a great thing for you to do. Here's my advice. Come to me and buy from me gold tried in the fire. What on earth could that mean? Do this thing that you may indeed be rich. Cause right now you have nothing. But if you can go into the fire and come out, come out pure gold, you indeed will be rich. And white raiment, buy from me white raiment that you can be clothed and not naked. That the shame of your nakedness does not appear, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. And there's a lot more to this, but I don't have the time to go into this. But he says here in verse 19, "As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten." Oh no, don't rebuke. Yeah, you, you, Christ. Okay, I get it. I know you like to rebuke. Don't rebuke me. And certainly, I know you're not here on earth. And you have elders on earth, you have, a, you have a body, and you've put people in the role of elder, but they better not rebuke me, because I will not accept any rebuke from anybody, because it's power to the people. And in so doing, we're rejecting his love. You know, people who just want to pat you on the back and say, you're, you're, you're wonderful. You are just the best. You're, oh man, you're the best. You don't do anything wrong. No need for rebuke. Why have a church that has rebuke? That wouldn't be fun. Let's have a church where anything goes. Power to the people. Leos dike. Christ says, As many as I love, and, and he loves this church. As many as I love I rebuke and chasten. And be zealous therefore and repent. Act like you realize we're in sudden death overtime. Every move counts. And, and then suddenly it's all over. So he says, I counsel you to try of me, or to buy of me gold tried in the fire. What can he possibly mean? Let's go to Luke eleven. Let's go to Luke eleven. Luke 11. Luke 11 and verse 9. And I say unto you, ask, come to me, buy gold tried in the fire from me. This this is my counsel to you. So now I say to you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks it shall be opened. If a son asks bread of any of you, that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will the father give him a scorpion? Think about it, brethren. God says to those just before he returns, there's a major part of the church, that is going to be governed by the Laodicean spirit, power to the people, social justice. And he says, I'm counseling you. You've got nothing. You, you're, you're deluded. You have no idea your state. And, and I'm not on earth to tell you. You're deluded. So, so if we are in this Laodicean state, we're deluded. And he says, he, his counsel to us is to buy from him gold tried in the fire. But then he says this, if, you, if a father, if a child asks for an egg, is he going to give him a scorpion? If he asks for a fish, is he going to give him a serpent? Is he going to give him a stone if he asks for bread? No, it's a father. So if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So gold, tried in the fire, is the, is the, 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 the follower of Christ who is filled with the Holy Spirit, versus the follower of Christ who is depleted because they're so distracted. But trials have a way of focusing us and helping us understand what's really important. And brethren, fasten your seatbelts. We are about to go through severe trial. The, 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 the Christian, you know, um, Paul says you know, if in this life only. We have hope in Christ. We are of all men most miserable. We are about to find out what that means. But our hope is not just in this life. That's why Christ says, look, I'm counseling you. Buy from me gold. It's better for you to buy the gold, try it in the fire. Go into the fire. So when you ask and you find yourself facing a scorpion, don't believe for a minute that God doesn't love you. Don't believe for a minute that this scorpion, this serpent, this stone, isn't for your edification, isn't for your betterment. All things will work together for good for you if you're called according to his purpose and if you love God. So we need to be able to interpret. Don't look at somebody who's just so blessed and they have everything and they've got six boats and ten cars and three houses and and, and you're like, that's just not right. We need to take that wealth away from them and give it to me. Uh, (laughs) Somebody has to have that. Let them have it. We don't, we don't care. If somebody has to have it, we're happy for them. I hope it works out. What we want is God's kingdom. An eternal relationship with the Lord. We don't want to be distracted. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 1. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 1. He says, Let as many servants, this, this is the antidote to the Laodicean spirit, and the Marxist influence that wants us to fail, that is designed so that we will be distracted, lose our compass, lose our bearing, forget what time we're in. This is the antidote. First Timothy 6 and verse 1 is, this spirit is, is sort of the zeitgeist of the world around us. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. This is how to be an employee. Not to overthrow everything and burn down and riot and loot. That's... That's from the devil. Instead, if we're employees, count your own master worthy of all honor. That the name of God and his doctrine, his teachings be not blasphemed. So you can see this laos dike attitude where we think we're doing great things by trying to destroy the patriarchy and destroy those we work for. And God is saying, when you do that, you're blaspheming the name of God. And his doctrine and they that have believing masters let them not despise them so you, 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 this person a brother just because don't, don't fall into this Marxist theory that you have to overthrow them don't despise them because they're brethren but rather do them service do the opposite of what everybody else is doing do them service because they're faithful and beloved and partakers of the benefit these things teach and exhort this is what elders should be teaching not saying yeah, you know, you're right. Get out there and support these these uh, social justice warriors. That's not the kind of warrior we're called to be. Elders should be saying no. Don't get involved in these things. This is what we teach and exhort, as we heard last week. If any man teach otherwise, so so look, there's no controversy here. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, not Marxism, he is proud. He doesn't know anything. This is the state of the Laodicean. So if, we're, if we teach Marxism, if we support Marxism in any way, this is the state of Laos Tike. is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof comes envy, stri- envious Marxism, covetousness, strife, railings, evil surmisings. That's what this whole society, brethren, is all about. And that, that's that's like I would never believe that America would fall to this or fall yeah but but this is the case now. And then he says perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds. And, and, and when you read the Greek here, it's even more forceful than it's, it's conveyed here in the English. That it's just it's it's Marxists. It's people who are just prone to, to this this uh, conflict theory and argumentation constantly. It's, it's it's in their nature. They're just never happy. And in the process of this. They are destroying themselves and corrupting themselves. And we cannot get caught up in these people. Destitute of the truth. It's all about the truth. But they're destitute of it. They don't know. Supposing that gain is godliness. that you, I, I, I need gain. a Social justice. We need to, we need to level the playing field here. Because I need to gain. My, my race needs to gain. My gender needs to gain. Uh, my, my particular disability needs to gain. Thinking that this is godliness. This is Marxism. We want God's justice. And then he says, from such withdraw thyself. So brethren, it's okay. You know, we, are, we live peacefully, uh, peaceably with all men, as much as we are able. But sometimes, some people are just prone to this conflict, and, and this sort of uh, constantly trying to oppose and overthrow, that sometimes we see this, and, and there's wheat and tares, and it's okay to sometimes withdraw yourself. Just withdraw yourself. And and focus on where you can edify. Where can you build up? You know, sometimes people come into your life, they come into your life for a season, not necessarily forever. If you can see that they're not, they're, they're actually blaspheming the doctrine of God, then you can just quietly withdraw yourself. Because godliness with contentment is great gain. The The, the Greek there is, Uh, porismos megas, megas, mega profit. If you can be godly and content, this is mega profitable profit. So don't get, let's not get caught up in the Marxist approach of covetousness and materialism and trying to make this world right. We're in sudden death overtime. We're looking to the new world. You know, I think I may have mentioned this before when we were kids. We were very poor. We had nothing. But my mom, uh, God bless her, she really wanted us to have special Christmases. And she went out. She would save for months, you know, and she was so good with her money. And just, you know, even if it's like $10 a month, whatever she could, she would save it for months so that when Christmas came, she could buy us what our hearts desired. And I'm telling we were so excited. December 1st would roll around, and we start counting the days. And when it's a couple of days before Christmas, we're just so, it was just crazy. We were just so obsessed. And the night before, we could hardly sleep. And the morning of, we would just wake up, and then we had to have breakfast first, and there was an orderly, before we could open our gifts. We were so excited. I'm I'm an adult now, and I've put away childish things. But I saw from my early childhood how excited I can be when I understand what lies ahead. And brethren, we sh- the, the, the level of excitement that we should have now. The, 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 the society wants to discourage us. It wants to demoralize us. It wants to isolate us. And, and, and we should be so focused on the end game, on the vision that any moment now, the Lord is going to appear. And he's going to bring with him this dominion. And he's going to give it to us. And we should be so focused on this. That we are just filled with excitement. Let's go to Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 3 says, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come. Something has to happen first. And this is the danger for us. This is the sudden death. Sudden death is in different forms. Sudden death means the game's just suddenly over, but it also could mean for the Christian, We have been, we allowed ourselves to be deceived and taken. Two will be in the field, one will be taken. Sudden death. Sudden death can also mean our martyrdom, which is in fact our victory. So, in this, actually, in this sudden death overtime, it is impossible for us to lose as long as we love the truth, we are committed to preaching the gospel, and we love one another. He says, let no man deceive you by any means. Don't let this happen. There's going to be this, this move for deception. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Two will be in the field. One will be taken. A flood is going to take one out. And while this is happening, the man of sin will be revealed. The son of perdition. In verse 7 he says, because the mystery of iniquity is already at work. These are invisible forces, brethren. And there's there's something happening in our society that this mystery of iniquity is working. It, 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 it's, its purposes and agenda are unfolding right under our noses. It's already at work. Only he who now uh, obstructs this will do this until he's taken out of the way. So something is going to happen where whatever is holding back this mystery of iniquity Will be taken out of the way so that the mystery of iniquity can now go full force. And at that time, then in verse eight, and then at that time, shall that wicked be revealed. So that wicked, this this demonic uh, influence, this person, this beast power, we don't know who it is yet, but it's at work. It's being formulated. You've got to build Babylon back better, stronger. And then suddenly the wicked is revealed, and this beast. The Lord shall destroy with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. This is his parousias, the parousia. This is his appearing, that this, this brightness of his appearing is going to destroy the beast. And so no matter what these people do, this is what we're looking for, the parousia. Now what's interesting is verse 9. Even him whose parousia is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders. So there's two parousias, and so they're hidden, we don't see them. And then one parousia emerges and deceives so many. So many run after him, because he's saying all the right things, and power to the people, leos dike, and they get swept up with this parousia. And then the parousia of Christ appears and destroys that deception. You know, again, it's been 10 months, brethren. What have we done? I almost feel like we could be like Abraham, where Abraham, God, God says he's going to come and destroy his own people. Read the letters to the churches, and we're going to read this this uh, letter right now. There's great destruction determined upon the people of God. And Abraham, when he saw, what, when when God shared with him what he was going to do to Sodom, Abraham appealed to him and said, okay, let me not speak to my Lord, but can I just ask you, like, Suppose there's 50 righteous people there. Will, will you destroy the whole city and, and even the 50 people? And God said, no, if there's 50 people, I won't. And then God, uh, Abraham kind of starts to go, well, what if it's 45? And then, okay, what if it's 30? What if it's 20 down to 10? If there's 10 people, and then God says, okay, if there's 10, I won't. And you know what? Sodom was destroyed because there was not 10 people. And we could look back over the last 10 months and let's look back over our own life. And God is angry with the church for our behavior. And if he were to say, you know, I'm going to look back over the last 10 months, and Abraham were to appeal on our behalf and say, God, you know, yes, it's 10 months. But, you know, if we could look at their lives and find, like, let's, let's bring it down to 10 minutes of edification. If, if you can see where they spent 10 minutes edifying the body, will you then spare them? And God says, yes. If I evaluate their lives, and I can see over through through this crisis that they spent 10 minutes trying to edify the body, then I won't destroy them. How would we fare, brethren? I I hope we would say, thank you, Abraham. Thanks for intervening. I know I've made some mistakes. Appreciate that very much, because I really have done my best to contribute versus sitting back and just criticizing. Verse 10, with all deceivableness, this is, this, is, this is the mystery of iniquity and now this intellectual power, powerhouse is unleashing with all deceivableness, apate, of unrighteousness, adikias. This is, this is the extreme. This is all, all the deception of the iniquity in them that perish. Two will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be destroyed, and the other will be preserved. Because this thing is coming with all of the apate of Adikias in them that perish, in the church. Why? Because they received not the love of the truth, the aletheia, that they might be saved. That if only we had loved the truth, this is what would have preserved us. We don't have to be intellectual powerhouses. We don't have to be sorting through postmodernist nonsense. To try to say, I wonder if this is true. or We just have to study the word of God and love it. Love that it cannot be moved. That this is the truth. And as long as we stick to this and don't get caught up with anything else, we'll be great. We'll be fine. We'll be saved. They won't be able to take us out. And then notice this. So, so within the community, there's going to be a great falling away. It's like the, the flood of Noah. This 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 flood of deceivab- deceivableness, this this flood of intellectual deceit, and 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 righteous rhetoric, is uh, through the parousia. the appearing of this build Babylon back better religion, of let's all come together and in, in this ecumenical council, let's all hold hands, and it's all about uh, fake love. That those who do not love the truth are going to fall for this so they will be out in the sudden death overtime period and God says here in verse 11 that it is in fact for this reason that God shall send them energian planness energetic delusion delusion full of energy that's what he's sending in this sudden death overtime period because he wants to knock out those who don't love the truth. This is God doing this, that they should believe a lie, that the, the, the deceitful menace is going to be so packaged that if we're not anchored by the truth, it's going to sound good. And we're going to argue for it. And we're going to fight for it. And we're going to resist any type of rebuke against it. And we're going to be surprised because the whole time we'll be saying, we're such wonderful covenant people of God. And we are the Jews. And God is going to be so angry that when he comes, not only will he reveal our hypocrisy, but he says, I will make those who say they're Jews, but they're part of the community of this deception. I'm going to make them come and bow down before you so that they can understand how much, I, how much I love you. It, it, God is a God of justice and he's going to be so disturbed by what has happened within his covenant community, that he's going to take those who fell for this and make sure they bow down before those who love the truth, that they all might be condemned, all of them. They'll be in the field. Some will be taken by this flood of deception, but the others will be left. The ones that will be left are the ones that love the truth, so that these can be condemned who did not believe the truth. But they had pleasure in unrighteousness this, this is pleasure, you know of course, you know, we think of uh, these sinful things can be pleasurable, but the implication of the Greek, the, the Eudoanti is is more around the fact that they consented to this, that when people were out in the streets rioting and burning down and killing, that there are people in the covenant community who said, that's okay, there's a reason they're doing that. It's okay, they consent to it. And this is what the Greek implies. And God is saying, God is saying when people have this, this um, loose association with the truth, I'm going to send a flood of deception to take them. I don't want them. I'm going to send a fl-. And this parousia of the, of the uh, man of sin is, is, is going to happen in such a uh, deceitful way that they're going to fall for it. And I'm going to send it with such energy that it takes them all out. And the only resistance we have to this, brethren, is our love for the truth. Okay. Final thing I want to talk about. We must steel ourselves to endure hardness in order to fulfill our Lord's command to love one another. This, this, this takes the most incredible spiritual strength to love one another. It's not superficial. And it's something that we have to be in our congregations working things out. And I'm just, my Burlington brothers and sisters, I'm so grateful for you. What we have gone through over these years that we have been together and fashioning and forming this congregation where we know each other and we've been through trials and we've learned to love each other. This is what every congregation and we see our brethren in Ottawa, same thing, we hope all the other congregations are, have this commitment to each other and not just on the fringes but in it, edifying it. So that we can do this. And this, this Passover coming up. So that we can rehearse the agape. And deepen our love for one another. That's what this is about. 2 Timothy 2. Let's go back to where Pastor Jim was this morning. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 3. You therefore endure hardness. Because of these things that he's explaining. Look, look Timothy. And by extension, all of us, endure hardness. We're about to enter into very difficult times. That's okay. Do you know why it's okay? Because of this great reward, brethren, I'm telling you, we will not regret anything. We will not, this is a time for us to shine. But we cannot shine if we're not willing to endure hardness. If we are laos power to the people, I must have things my way. I must be comfortable. It's not right that I should suffer in any way. I, I power to the people. We're not going to suffer. We, we, we must endure hardness. So whatever happens, we're not for one man or the other. We're just observing. We're observers. okay? If, if the U.S. election goes this way, this is probably going to be the nature of our work. If it goes this way, then this is probably going to be the nature of our work. And, and what I can tell you now, brethren, is buckle up. And if need be, let's be ready for martyrdom. Let's be such faithful witnesses of Christ that no matter what they throw at us, we will not be intimidated, we will not back down. He says here, you therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. The, the, the word in the Greek is as, as a good stratiotis. It's really like a warrior. As a good stratiotis of Jesus Christ. So so actually we're warriors we' we're, we're in a battle, a sudden death battle that's what this is about. How can we put, be putting up our feet looking for ice cream and cookies when we 're actually in battle? No man that wars, and again, in the Greek here is the no man that stratiomenos it's the same word in other words, you must endure hardness as a warrior of Jesus Christ because no man that warriors entangles himself like the leos dike we don't entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life we observe it, we're aware of it, we can tell people what's going on but we're not entangled in it why? that he may please him who what? has chosen him to be a warrior the Greek verb here is strato logesanti. strato logessanti it's the same word So so it's like you must endure hardness as a warrior because nobody who wars is going to get entangled because we've been chosen to be a warrior. So so this calling that we're in, it's a calling of focus and spiritual battle. And that's that's why he's called us. So just hold your place here. We're going to come back to this. I want to unpack this a little bit more. But if we're going to be the kind of soldier, the kind of warrior. That has been chosen to war, to be in the sudden death overtime, and to compete all out, if we're going to be that kind of warrior. Let's just quickly look at Revelation 2. Revelation 2, and in this congregation, in verse 13, he says, I know your works, and where you, d- where you dwell, speaking to Pergamos, even where Satan's seat is, his throne. This is Turkey. The, the devil's throne is in Turkey. And you hold fast my name. And you have not denied my faith. Even in those days wherein in Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwells. So he says twice again, Satan dwells here. But I just want to point out this man, his name is Antipas. And God says, he was my faithful martyr. And, and his name is very interesting. In Greek, anti means against, and past means everything. <laughs> this man was so annoying. He was against everything. Because he was living where Satan dwells. And now, Satan is all over our whole world. And are you going along with Satan's activities? Then God declares that he's the amen, and the faithful and true witness. Or are you against everything? And people this guy is so annoying, he's against everything. Yeah, because everything is wicked. So to be a faithful martyr, we have to be wedded to the Torah. Back to Second Timothy 2 and verse 5. And if a man strive for masteries, yet he's not crowned, except he strive lawfully, you're in sudden death over time and you can't control yourself, and you take your stick and you whack somebody, penalty, you're off the ice. Because you cannot be crowned unless you strive lawfully. And so we are governed by Torah. And we cannot be breaking Torah, doing whatever we like, leos dike, and then expect to be crowned. We have to fight this battle. We've been enlisted as warriors. And we have to fight this battle according to Torah. And now a very strange comment. How would you explain verse 6? The husbandman that labors must be first partaker of the fruits. How would you explain this? The husbandman that labors, he must partake of the fruit first. Consider what I say. And the Lord give you understanding in all things. So we have to consider this. What what does this mean? That the husbandman that labors must be the first partaker of the fruits. And we have to think about this and understand it. Hold your place here. Let's go to John 15. John 15. John 15 and verse 1. I am the true vine. Oh, and my father is the husbandman. Oh, this is the husbandman. Okay. And the husbandman has, that means my father works. My father's a husbandman, he does work. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. Two will be working in the field. One will be taken away. Every branch that bears fruit, this is his work. He's a husbandman. He purges it. So it's okay to be purged. Keep your eye on the prize. Why, why are we purged? That we may bring forth more fruit. Now your claim through the word which I've spoken to you, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abide in the vine. This is the key. We have to stay in Christ. And no matter what happens, no matter how the, the world around us changes, we are going to be very fruitful. And so you cannot uh, bear fruit unless you abide in the vine. No more can you accept you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. This, this is your destiny, brethren, is to bring forth much fruit. But to do that, we must abide in Christ. For without Christ, we can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch. Two will be in the field, one will be taken, and is withered. And men gather them, take them, and cast them into the fire. These are harsh words, and they are burned. If you abide in me, on the other hand, and my words, the truth, abides in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. In fact, herein is my father, the husbandman, glorified, that you bear much fruit. This is how you shall be my disciples. So, um, now hold your place here. Let's go back to Second Timothy 2. Now we can understand 2 Timothy 2, verse 6. The husbandman, that is the father, that labors, pruning, looking over the. You know, he says of Israel that this is my vine, this is my vineyard, and I'm looking for fruit, and all I got from them was poisonous fruit. So now he has raised up first fruits Israel with the Holy Spirit, and now he's working with first fruits Israel, and he wants the same fruit. And so he's a working husbandman, the father is. And he's laboring. And he must be the first partaker. This is the 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 idiocy. And in fact, the blasphemy of laos dike. Power to the people. Because they want what they want. They want to eat the fruit first. The fruit belongs to God first. But they want to eat it first. The husbandman that labors, God must be the first partaker of the fruits. It's not about us. In fact, he says earlier, you are soldiers. You've been enlisted. Forget your civilian life now. Forget about cupcakes and cream. Forget about putting on party dresses and and, and ribbons in your hair. You've been enlisted as a soldier. Be ready to lay down your life. Because God wants fruit and he will eat first. Verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, you've got to understand the gospel. He was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer. Even unto bonds. So my world has changed. I'm now in prison. But you know what? The word of God is not bound. So we don't care. Go ahead and build Babylon back better. It doesn't matter. Because the word of God cannot be bound. And therefore, as a good soldier, I endure all things. Why? For the elect's sake. For the elect's sake. For the elect's sake. This this passion for the elect. Do we have this love for the elect? You know, um, when I was years ago, I had to get a blood test and I hadn't gone for many, many years. And so I went to get this blood test and they couldn't find my veins. And the nurse seemed panicked. She seemed worried. She's trying to find the vein. And she says, I, I can't find your vein. And she seemed worried. And then she says to the other nurse, I can't find his veins. He- he- I think he's dehydrated. I didn't know what was going on, but I started to feel myself start to sweat and when she said, I think he's dehydrated, I'd never heard this, before. I just passed out. I was just out cold. I don't know how long I was out. I don't think it was too long, but I finally came back. And you know what? i got to tell you, brethren, when it comes to blood, I have a very frail nature. I, I have such high empathy for people. I hate to see people suffer. I can remember a neighbor. Uh, he was cutting his grass, and I was cutting my grass, and he was in the hospital for a while. So he came over. We were talking, and he started to explain to me this complex surgery that he had to, to go through. And I just started to feel ill, and and to the point where I thought I was going to either vomit or, or, um, or faint. And I just had to, I was almost kind of rude. I said to him, excuse me, and I just left and I went inside, and, and I needed to recover. And then after, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes, I finally felt a bit better. I came back out. He was still out there. He comes back over to continue the story. <laughs> but fortunately, I had a little bit of a break. But that's my nature. I don't like blood. I don't understand how people can do this kind of thing. But all of us are going to receive supernatural power when the Holy Spirit is filled up within us. And, and our frail nature will be nothing. Because it's not by strength or by might. It's by abiding in Christ. This is where our strength comes from. And no matter what they throw at us, we in fact will be able to withstand it. So he says here, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake. This has to be our orientation. We've been enlisted for the elect's sake. We are soldiers and warriors for the elect's sake. That they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It's a faithful saying. For if we be dead with him, this is our sudden death overtime. It does, we can't fear death. We, we, we should not fear death. Because if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. And you know what? As, as the world turns against Christians, and Christians are the most persecuted group in the world right now, and it's increasing. If we suffer, and, and now with this new administration, they're going to let this thing, all these people can now come in to America. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. But if we deny him, he'll also will deny us. And if we believe not, yet he abides faithful, he cannot deny himself. I want to unpack a bit more here. And then I want to lead into the power of love, leading into the Passover. So I'm going to stop here, though, just in the interest of time, and then we'll continue. Hopefully, uh, I'll speak with Pastor Murray if it's okay. Maybe I'll come back next week, if not um, the week after, and I'll do the rest of this because I want to I wanna take time to really build into, and, and maybe I'll just flesh it out a, a little bit more, how this endurance, this, this this understanding that we are warriors, how in fact it's going to make us the most loving people that we could possibly be. For God and how in fact this love for the truth and this love for God's people is going to fill us with the Holy Spirit in such a way that we shall do exploits brethren and and it's it's around the corner you could, every, everybody knows the world is unraveling everybody has this sense that it, it's we don't know where it's going but we understand where it's going brethren and I'm telling you that what lies ahead is so glorious rather than me rush through it let me pause here we'll take what we'll, we'll uh, finish today and i will be back and finish this either next week god willing or the week after that so brethren we love you we are going to do all we can to edify you god says if you love me feed my church we love god and we love you and we're going to work hard to so that we can all see clearly and let's all pray to god that he continues to understand give us understanding and strengthen us so that we can again to the opening prayer all of us have different gifts different talents and abilities if we are committed to this calling. So remember what Deacon Jan said last week. We've got to be upholders of truth. Lovers of truth. And then we've got to preach this gospel no matter what. Okay, the seasons have changed. The environment around us has changed. The winds are against us. It's becoming much more hostile. So what? That means more glory. Because if we die, we'll, we'll live with him. If we suffer, we'll be glorified with him and reign with him. It's all good. So this is our moment. What, what an incredible time to be alive. So we're going to add now, and, and I kind of wanted to, all of this is con- context for where I want to go next, especially as we're coming into Passover. How, do, how does this, this commitment to being enlisted warriors for God enable us to love one another? We love you, brethren. God
0: bless. Thank you, Pastor Adrian, and certainly look forward to uh, part two next week of uh, this very profound message, Sudden Death over time. Thank you for your efforts in putting this together. And we look forward to welcoming everybody back next week to hear the conclusion of this message. We will now pre- uh, close the service with prayer. And after we do that, we will go into the uh, closing hymn and certainly invite everybody, uh, remind everybody that the uh, Wednesday study begins uh, at 7.30. Uh, we'll... Go through, God willing, two psalms and then get to the uh, questions and answers. So do prepare some questions for us to interact on. And then, of course, God willing, you we'll be back with this next Sabbath at 2.30 for the conclusion of this message. So after the closing prayer, we will sing page 227. And as you sing this hymn, in light of what we've heard last week and this week, uh, sing, these, sing these words, meditate on these words as you're singing them. We will sing faith of our fathers to close the service. Uh, but let's bow our heads now in prayer. Father in heaven, we are just so very grateful to come together on this most holy Sabbath day. We ask you to uh, collectively accept us before your throne, before you and Jesus Christ. And we are just so humbled to to have access to your your profound word. We are so um, grateful. To come together on this day and father, we ask you to forgive us, forgive our sins, transgressions and iniquities as David so eloquently wrote in the Psalms so that we can come before you and we can please you and we can continue to grow in the grace and character that you require of us as the world changes for, for the, the worse, we can continue, we pray to change for the better that you may Continue to reflect yourself in us, reflect Jesus Christ in us. And as you, as you judge our actions, may we find grace in your eyes. We ask you to dismiss these services here. We ask you to go with each and every one of us that came together today to hear your word expounded, to hear the, the prayers of those that contributed, the intercessory prayers, the worship music that we, that we sang together. Father, accept our worship, accept our service, we pray, and hear our prayers. And we pray, Father, as, as times worsen, that you will return your son to us as you see fit. But We know, according to your word, much lies ahead between today and that day. We ask you to give us the, the patient endurance to, to come together and to help each other through these tough times. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your 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 mercy and your grace. Thank you for your word. And we just close these services now in complete humility and thankfulness. And we do so in the name of our elder brother, our Messiah, and soon-coming King Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.